Amen, church. Well, last week we had Sunday in the park, and we started a new series called Indestructible Joy. And so this is a, basically a series to, to help the believer uh, really live into the joy that we have in Christ. Um, and man, I've been really excited about this because um, there are just moments, and especially here around Utah when it gets this kind of weather and it's all cloudy, I just sometimes kind of lack a little bit of joy. And so for Pastor Josh and our preaching team to kind of uh, turn our eyes towards Jesus during this time and help us to, to have indestructible joy to show us what that means and what that's like, uh, man, I'm really, really excited. And so this is just a study in the book of Philippians. And uh, real quick, uh, when you came in, you should have received a little uh, book like this. Uh, this is just the book of Philippians. And if you didn't, uh, would you go ahead and raise your hand? And we've got to, we're going to have some folks just pass these out to you. We'd love for you to take these with you. Um, but this is just a little great resource. You can write in it, write all sorts of notes. So this is going to be really useful for our entire series. Um, but today's uh, scripture is going to come from uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 3 through 11 verses 3 through 11. And so if you uh, don't have a Bible, there should be a blue Bible under the seat in front of you, and that'll be on page 1083 in that Bible. And here at Flourishing Grace, we believe that God has breathed this word out for us, that this is a gift. Uh, and uh, man, this word has authority over our lives. And so in honor and reverence to it, would you stand with me as we read the word of God from Philippians? Again, this is Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my rem remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Amen. Thanks, John. Good morning, Flourishing Grace. How are we? I'm not on. Is that me? I am on. I am good. All right. Hey, it's good to see you guys. For those of you who are new, my name is Josh Knight, pastor of preaching and vision here at Flourishing Grace. And um, yeah, worst Worst chili category. That's a that's a good idea. We should we should bring that to the chili cookoff. Um, I would probably win that category. Um, so maybe we won't do it. Uh, Newcomers Dinner is at my house. I'll send out an email uh, later today with my address to everybody who's signed up because I'm not going to announce that in front of everybody. That would be strange. I know some of you, and I don't want you to know where I live. Um, just kidding. Yeah. So as John said, we are we're in this series, indestructible joy, and kind of along the way, along the way, right? Paul is revealing some of his secrets, not really secrets, but his kind of tricks to having an indestructible joy, and not really just joy, but indestructible boldness, indestructible confidence, uh, indestructible contentment. 
in life. Paul is writing this from prison to a church that's being persecuted, and he's talking about joy. There's joy on every page, on, on nearly every paragraph. Paul's talking about the joy that he has. Um, and he, this morning, we're going to look at the, this uh, joy, this indestructible joy that Paul has found in others. An indestructible joy that he's found in in others. And we all find joy in others, right? We, we all do this all of the time. Um, like, a, like a coach, whether that be a football coach or basketball or soccer or wrestling, whatever the sport is, the coach finds joy in his or her players, right? The coach finds joy when the players are experiencing success on the field, right? If, if they uh, score the touchdown or the kick the goal or whatever it is that they do on the field, the, the coach is screaming and delighting in and having finding joy in the success of his or her players. And we, we all do this constantly, especially if you're a parent and you got kids, right? We find joy in the success of our kids. When your kid uh, wins the spelling bee or is the smartest kid in the class or the best in math or whatever it is, right? That brings you a sense of joy, a sense of pride in your kid. Maybe your kid uh, is, is an athlete. This past week, um, our, our minister to kids and families, Lindsay Spinning, uh, her daughter, Ava, uh, kicked this game-tying goal. She plays for Bountiful High, and they're playing Beaumont High. And um, Lindsay came into the office this week with like this, this little video on her phone that was like, a hundred miles away from from the from the field, it's all grainy and tiny. She's like zooming in, and it's like it's like you can't even like it's so fuzzy you can't even see it. And she's like, "Look what my daughter did! It's amazing!" And I'm like, "What is she doing? Is she playing soccer?" No, no, look at it. You got to squint, squint harder. She kicked the game tying goal. Look at it. She's like so excited with and just filled with joy of what the, what her daughter had accomplished. Like we all feel this way when we see joy in our kids. We find joy in that. Maybe you don't have kids, but we find joy maybe in our employees at work. When our employees experience success, we have joy. When maybe uh, our boss experiences success, success and our company begins to advance, we find joy in that. We, all, we find joy in others all the time. This is a natural, normal, human thing. But here's the reality. All of those joys, every single one of them, are destructible joys, all of them. The reality is that maybe your kid stops being good at school. Maybe they take up video games and, I don't know, sitting around watching way too much TV, and the next thing you know, they don't like school anymore. Maybe they fail out of college. Um, maybe they get hurt and can't play sports anymore, right? And, and in an instant, in a moment, this joy that you had in this Thing is gone, right? Maybe your uh, company starts doing poorly, your employees start performing poorly, or maybe there's workplace drama, like the nothing sucks the joy of life, like workplace drama. Amen, right? If you guys have experienced it, it's awful. And, and so m- maybe, right, m- maybe that's happened, and, and, and all of a sudden this thing that you had your joy in is, is gone. In an instant, in a moment, it's, it's, it's left you. All of these joys are destructible joys. None of them are sure. None of them are guaranteed. And I want to make this really clear before we even get too far into this. Uh, It's not not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to to place joy in things that are destructible. 
That's actually not a bad thing. It's actually a natural, normal human thing to praise God for joys that are destructible, to, to delight in the success of your kids, to, to, to have joy when your spouse has a great day, to, for that to bring you joy is a normal and a good thing. But, but we must, in wisdom, hold destructible joys loosely, knowing that this is a gift from God right now in this moment. It may not be here tomorrow. It, it, it may not be here in a week or in a month or in a year. At any moment, at any time, it could be taken away. And that's okay. We get to delight in it right now, in this moment. You see, the wise hold destructible. They, they've, they've measured their joys. The, the wise know which joys in their life are destructible and which ones are indestructible. And, and they hold the ones that are destructible, they hold them loosely. And those that are the indestructible, they hold them tightly. And they, they bank on those joys. The problem comes when we cling too tightly to destructible joys. And we've all done it. You've all experienced it, and nothing, nothing gives joy like others can give us joy, and nothing can rob us of joy more quickly than others. When there's drama in your family or drama with your friends, when there's, when there's something that happens, something that, that goes down within, within your friendships or within your family members, nothing, nothing robs you of greater joy. Nothing makes you dread life more than going to Thanksgiving dinner with a family that's just not getting along, right? There's no joy in that. We've all experienced the sucking of joy that others can do, but we've also experienced the joy that others can give. I, I want to challenge you right out of the gate this week. For those of you who are in a PATH group, one of our discipleship groups here at, at Flourishing Grace, to, to sit down with your PATH group and to actually, to actually number your joys, to list them out, to say, and what are the things that I enjoy? What are, the, what are the things that others do that bring me the greatest joy? The joy of others. What are the, what are the joys of others that I delight in the most? What are your top 10? And on that list, which ones are destructible? Which ones are not sure? And which ones are indestructible? Just knowing that and just living in that, already you're going to be ahead of most people in the world. And here in our text today, Paul has found an indestructible joy in others. An indestructible joy in others. He says it this way. He says, uh, he says I'm going to make all my prayer for you with joy for, for I, because of your partnership in the gospel, and I am sure I'm sure. Paul is positive. He has, he has this sureness that he has placed his joy in, a steadfastness that he's placed his joy in. And, and all of those joys that I listed earlier, they're not sure. right? There's a chance that they, that they all fail you. But Paul has one that he's sure of. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Paul's positive. He knows without a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in those who are in the church in Philippi, will bring it to completion, will bring it to perfection. He will finish the work, and he will work it perfectly in the day of Christ Jesus. That day is coming, and Paul knows it. He's sure of it. He's positive. You see, what Paul has done, he's not placed his joy in the performance of of those who are in the church in Philippi, but rather placed his joy in the performance of Jesus who is at work in the church of Philippi. And he knows that that's sure, that's steadfast, 
That's not going anywhere. That is an indestructible joy. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Theologians have a fancy, fancy word for this, right? It's called sanctification, right? That's what Paul's talking about here. He is, he's sure, he's positive in the process of sanctification in their lives, right? Sanctification is, it's the work of God, the producing of righteousness that only comes through Jesus. It's the producing of righteousness that only comes through Jesus. This is not a work that we do. This is not, I mean, I, I strain and strive and, and I can become righteous. I can become worthy. I can, I can do all of these great things. Uh, right? It's not a work that we do. It's a work that Jesus is doing in us. And it's a work that he's going to bring to, listen, completion, perfection in the day of Christ Jesus. The day of Christ Jesus being the day that Christ returns. For those of you who are in the room who are followers of Jesus, I, I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is returning. He's, he's coming back. A amen? amen. Our, our Lord is returning for us. He's, he's going to come back and he's going to call us home. And in that day, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he's going to look at me. He's going to look at the church in Philippi and he's going to say, look at you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been perfected, not because of this work that you've done, not because you strived and strained, but because of the work that I've done in you. Paul talks about this a lot, uh, especially to the church in Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He says, Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Paul's confident Jesus is going to sustain you to the end. Guiltless, perfect in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He will sustain you till the end. Paul, sure, he's going to present you perfect and guiltless in that day. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul puts it this way. He says, And we all, with unveiled face, us Christians who have had the veil lifted, we see the work of God, the gospel clearly. We understand the beauty and the worth of Jesus, and we put our hope and our trust there. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit, right? We are actively being transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory into the image of Jesus. That is not a work that we can do. That's not a work that I can do at least. I can't become like Jesus, but Jesus can, can, can the perfect one can work the work of perfection in me. He can do that in me and he can do that in you. And I'm confident of this, that he who's begun that good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. I'll give you one more. 2 Corinthians 1, 21, Paul says this. He says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And who has also put his seal on us, giving us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This is a guaranteed work. The spirit has been placed into us. And, and is producing this work in us. And that's a guarantee. The, Spirit, the Spirit's not going to leave us. 
The Spirit is sealed within us, producing this work in us. And Paul sees this work in the, fel- uh, in the followers of Jesus in Philippi, and he is filled with indestructible joy because it's a guaranteed work. It's a sure and steadfast work, and Paul is sure of it. And I know that for many of you, when you, when you look at other followers of Jesus in your life who are friends, family members, maybe your kids, maybe your spouse, and you see God at work in them. You see this process of sanctification taking place in their life. You, you knew them 5, 10, 20 years ago, and you know them today, and you see the work of the Spirit in them, right? The joy that's produced in you, that joy is an indestructible joy. It, it, it will not cease. It will not stop. It's sure, and it's steadfast, and you can bank on it. That's a sure joy that we have. I love the way that Gordon Fee puts it. Gordon Fee was a, he is a uh, Canadian-American theologian, a brilliant man, um, and he's one of the leading scholars uh, on this work, Philippians. He puts it this way. He says, believers in Christ are people of the future, a sure future that has already begun in the present. They are citizens of heaven. We're going to see that in chapter 3. Who live the life of heaven, the life of the future, in the present, in whatever circumstances they find themselves. To lose this future orientation, and especially to lose the sense of straining towards what is ahead, towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward, we're going to see that also when we get to chapter 3, is to lose much. To lose that is to lose much. Christians are a people of the future. I, I love that. I love that. And here's the reality. I, I think that for many of us, and I kind of said this last week at the park, um, the past couple years for us, has caused us to lose this future vision as, as we have lost many of our destructible joys, the things that we banked on, the things that we put our hope in, the things we placed our joy on, as those things kind of eroded away and as we lost our grasp on those things in 2020 and 2021 and all of these comforts that we had and the things that were bringing us joy, as we lost them without even really realizing it, like we were clinging far too tightly to what was destructible and not tight enough to what is indestructible and we lost sight of our future. We got consumed with the present moment. I gotta, now I got to homeschool my kid, and I don't know what to do because I'm not a teacher, and what's going to happen? And then I, I, what's going to happen with my career? What's going to happen with my job? And this inflation stuff is crazy. My money is disappearing. What's happening right in this present moment? We're so fixated on what's happening right now. We've forgotten. We are people of the future. That's where our joy is. It's not here. As I said before, and I want to make this really clear, it's okay to have temporary fleeting joys. Praise God for every one of them. But this is not where my true joy lies. My true joy lies in the future. And the more I'm fixated on the here and now, and especially on my lack of joy here and now, the more I am going to lose my place and forget who I am in Christ, a person of the future. I want to give kind of three implications real quickly 
of this and then just ask us a few questions. The first implication uh, of this sure joy is this. Uh, we, we have a joyful expectation. We have a joyful expectation. We are a people who know that my relationship with Jesus, if you're a Christian here this morning, you've given your life to Christ, right? Your relationship with Jesus is going to be better tomorrow than it is today. I will be nearer to Jesus five years from now than I am today. Praise God. I can have expectancy knowing that he is doing this good work in me, and I can know that he's doing it in you. I can, I can rejoice in your life knowing that, 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 that your relationship with Jesus, your nearness to Jesus your love and your affection, your awe and your wonder in Christ will be greater next year than it is this year. And I expect that for you. And I know it's true. And when I think about that for you, Flourishing Grace, it brings me joy, indestructible joy. And oh, that he would begin a good work in those who do not know him. That, that our joy would increase all the more, that our indestructible joy would increase all the more. Oh, oh, that he would begin this good work in my boys. Oh, that he would begin this good work in my family and friends who do not know him. Oh, that he would begin this good work in your neighbors and your classmates and your coworkers. It moves us to a place of, of greater desire and greater expectancy, knowing that once he begins this good work, we have a sure and steadfast joy in our friends and family members who do not know him. We have an indestructible joy in our expectation of his work. We have an, we have an indestructible joy in rest, a joyful rest. You see, John actually talked about this earlier. I don't know if you guys were, were listening in, in that confession time. Uh, he was talking about how, how we can rest in the work of Christ. I, I can rest in the work of Christ personally, right? And knowing that he's going to complete this work in me, that's, that's a good thing. But Paul's talking about the joy in others, right? I can rest knowing that he's going to complete it in you. You see, sometimes we put the process of sanctification of others on our shoulders, which is a really dumb thing to do because um, it never works well. Right? When you try to force your kids to be sanctified, why won't you just be righteous? Right? And, and you take that task on yourself, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy you and your kids and your family members or loved ones or whoever it is. Right? I can rest knowing that if God has begun a good work in them, he's going to bring that into completion no matter what I do or don't do. Sometimes I can put the, the sanctification of flourishing grace on my shoulders. That's a dumb thing to do. Because he who began a good work began that work long before I got here and is going to continue that work long after I'm gone. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, it's okay. It's okay. Because he's already begun the good work in you, and he's going to bring it to completion. Not me. Not, not me. He's going to do that. And so I can, I can rest knowing that no matter how bad this sermon is this morning, he's still going to do the work in you. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> We have a joyful rest in him. He is way more committed to this work than you are. He's way more committed to the work than I am. We can rest in that. 
knowing that if he has begun that work in your children, if he's begun that work in your friends, if he's begun that work in uh, your loved ones, he will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. You can rest in that. That doesn't mean that we don't play our part. That doesn't mean that we don't continue to press on. But we can still rest in the knowledge that he is faithful and he's good. Lastly, we have, we have a joy. We have a joyful confidence. We have a joyful confidence. Paul says it this way. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Paul has a confidence in them, kind of in their dark moments, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the season when everything seems to be failing for his Christian friends in Philippi, who are genuinely his friends. He knows them well. Later we'll see he knows them by name. He knows the details that are going on in, in their lives. There's these two women we'll see later that are, that have, that are bickering. There's, a, there's an issue going on between these two women. And Paul speaks into the, their, their issue, this, this thing. He knows, he knows the problems. He knows their pain. He knows their suffering. He knows their persecution. He knows what's going on. And yet in all of that, he can still have a joyful confidence knowing that the good work of God is going to continue in them. So in the darkest hour of others, we can have confidence. If they are in Christ, we can have confidence that Christ is still working in them. In the moment when our friends or family members who who love Jesus are struggling in life, we can have confidence that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. In the moment when our friends, our family members who love Jesus are, are struggling with, in sickness and they're struggling with their health, we can have confidence that, that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion. They're struggling in their doubt. They're struggling in, 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 this, in their belief and yet they're in Christ and we can have confidence that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Our, our Friends who love Jesus, who are struggling in their marriage, are struggling in relationships. We can have confidence that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. This process of sanctification is is over the course of a lifetime. You see, justification, another fancy theological word, is what happens in an instant, in a moment, in in a second, we are justified. The, the moment we place our faith in Christ, the moment we release our grasp on the things of this world, we say, I know, I'm no longer mine. I belong to Christ. In that moment, I'm justified. Not, not based on my work, not based on what I've done, what I've achieved, what I have accomplished. I'm justified on Christ's work on the cross. When Christ lived the life that I could not live, when he died the death that I could not die, when he died in my place, the wrath of God is satisfied in Christ's death on the cross. And so therefore, I don't have to endure it. And so the moment I become a follower of Jesus, I'm instantly justified, perfect in every way. I have a right standing. I'm just before God. I'm just in the eyes of God. But this battle within my flesh my humanness still remains. Spiritually, I'm made perfect. But my flesh is still weak, and it's still foolish, and it's still failing constantly. But 
the Spirit of Christ begins a work in me. And over time, that work is constantly moving upward. There are days when it doesn't seem to be, and there's days when or there might be moments and seasons of life where, where many, it's, just, it's never been better. And then there's days when it's not that great. And then there's days when it's never been better. But it's constantly an upward trajectory over the course of time. This is the process of sanctification. This is the work that he's doing in us. It's the work that gives us confidence. This is the work that gives us expectations. It's the work that gives us rest. And when we see that work in others, it gives us an indestructible joy. So here's the first question. Has he begun a good work in you? Are you sure of it? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this work has begun in you? Would your best friend tell me, oh, he has begun a good work in her or in him? I've seen it. I knew them years ago, and I know them today. And this, this time period, that's a work of God. That's not human it's an indestructible work of God. He's begun a good work in her. He's begun a good work in him. Has he begun a good work in you? Are you confident in this? Have you, have you released your grasp on the things of this world? Have you clung to Christ? You say, man, my life is not my own. It is yours. It is not mine. Have you committed your life to this work? Has he begun a good work in you? Do you want an indestructible transformation to begin in you? This can begin today. It can begin now. Like the reality is, is that the, the moment, the moment we step across that line of faith, or, or maybe better, better said is the moment we're dragged across the line of faith by him, he begins this good work in us. He begins to stir us towards himself as he puts his spirit in us, and that work begins, and it can begin today. That, that, that process of sanctification can begin today. That moment of justification can begin today. If you will thrust yourself upon his past work, if you will thrust yourself upon the cross, at the foot of the cross, on the mercy of Christ, and say, begin the work in me today. I, I want there to be a day when I stand before Christ, when I stand before Jesus, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And he looks at me and he sees me perfect. Perfect. And not, not because of what I've done and all this work that I've done to, to gain righteousness, to become worthy. No. But because of the work that he's done in me. He has perfected me over time. He's justified me by his blood. That work can begin in you today. I want to challenge you this morning to throw yourself upon him, to confess that you cannot do that work, that no matter how hard you've tried, you have failed. As John said earlier, we have a baptism class this morning after this gathering. We'd love to have you come learn more about that work, to come say, man, what is, what's my next step? And baptism is the inaugural moment for people who have given their life to Jesus. We'd love to have you talk about that after our 11 o'clock gathering. My second question for you is this. Are you remaining steadfast in the work that he began? I said earlier, the gospel is not a moment, but a lifetime. The process of sanctification is the rest of your life. Every day, every minute, every hour, 
Paul says it this way. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more, day after day after day after day, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve of what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Is that happening in your life? Is love abounding more and more each day? Is your knowledge and your discernment of what is righteous and what is not righteous, is that growing clearer and clearer by the moment as he does his work in you? Are you committed to that work? We're going to see in, in a week or two, right, Paul says, we have to, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We must be committed to this work too. I said in the process of sanctification, right, it's this, this is upward trajectory, but there's times when we begin to head downward, even though we know it's always going to end up here because he's doing the work we are. But the less we're committed to this work, the more we're going to find ourselves in these seasons. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, and, and I know the past few years have been rough, and there's been moments when, when we've grown tired. But do you realize that he's never once grown tired of the work that he's doing in you? He's never once grown weary. He's never once been exhausted. He's never once needed a nap. Like he's, he's just constantly working in you. There's times when we've grown anxious and stressed out by the things of this world. He's never once been worried. Never once has heart rate risen a little bit. Nope. Calm as can be, continuing steadfast, day and night, sleeplessly, tirelessly, always working in you for his glory and for your joy. Do you know that's true of you, Christians? Do you know that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion? And he will never rest. He will never stop. Not one moment, not one day. Have you committed your life to that work? Have you thrust yourself upon his mercy? He just keeps working. He began it, and he will not stop until you are perfect before him. Here's what I want to do. We're going to end uh, our time a little early because I want to make some space in our gathering this morning for just prayer. I want to fill this room with prayer. I, I want us to, to, to lay ourselves before him and, and to ask him to show us his work, to reveal the work that he's doing in us and to reveal the work that he's doing in, in, in others, to press into our minds a picture, a future of that future day, the day that we'll stand before him perfectly, that we would be a people of the future, that he would replace that into our hearts. For those of us who have lost that vision, that that, that would be replaced in us, that we would regain an indestructible joy. And so I, wanna, I just want to encourage you this morning to, to just spend the next 10 minutes just praying and begging God and asking God to, 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 to reveal to you the work that he's doing in you to reveal to you the work that he's doing in others, to give you a a, a joyful rest, to give you a joyful peace, a joyful confidence, a joyful expectation. I'm going to have some friends that come down here, our lead shepherds, and some of their spouses are going to come forward. They're going to be down here. If you you say, man, I've I've prayed these prayers a million times. I I just don't know what to pray. They would love to pray for you. 
Here's the reality. If you're a partner at Flourishing Grace, they pray for you every day. Every day. They're praying over your life. Praying over your kids. Praying over your careers. Praying over your marriages. And it would give them great joy to pray over you this morning. Maybe there's a person in your life that God has not begun a good work in. And you've prayed for them every day, a million times. They would love to pray for that person. Just come down here, you, you just speak their name, and they would love to pray over you. And so we're going to move into a season. I'm going to invite them to come forward. And the first thing that I just want us to pray, John will lead us through this. The first thing that I want us to pray is just this. God, show us your work. I believe you're working. I believe your work is steadfast. I believe it's constant. God, would you show us your work? Let's pray that now.